Section 66 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Natter. The World's Story, Volume 10, England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 66. The Good Man of Ballangeich between 1513 and 1542, by Sir Walter Scott. James V had a custom of going about the country disguised as a private person, in order that he might hear complaints which might not otherwise reach his ears, and perhaps that he might enjoy amusements which he could not have partaken of in his avowed royal character. This is also said to have been a custom of James IV, his father, and several adventures are related of what befell them on such occasions. When James V travelled in disguise, he used a name which was known only to some of his principal nobility and attendants. He was called the Goodman, the tenant, that is, of Ballengeich. Ballengeich is a steep pass which leads down behind the castle of Stirling. Once upon a time, when the court was feasting in Stirling, the king sent for some venison from the neighbouring hills. The deer was killed and put on horse's back to be transported to Stirling. Unluckily, they had to pass the castle gates of Arnprior, belonging to a chief of the Buchanans, who chanced to have a considerable number of guests with him. It was late, and the company was rather short of victuals, though they had much more than enough of liquor. The chief, seeing so much fat venison passing his very door, seized on it, and to the expostulations of the keepers, who told him that it belonged to King James, he answered insolently that if James was king of Scotland, he, Buchanan, was king in Kippen, being the name of the district in which the castle of Arnprior lay. On hearing what had happened, the king got on horseback and rode instantly from Stirling to Buchanan's house where he found a strong, fierce-looking highlander with an axe on his shoulder, standing sentinel at the door. This grim warden refused the king admittance, saying Laird of Arnprayer was at dinner, and would not be disturbed. Yet go up the company, my good friend, said the king, and tell him that the good man of Ballengeich is come to feast with the king of Kippen. The porter went grumbling into the house and told his master that there was a fellow with a red beard at the gate who called himself the good man of Ballengeich and said he was come to dine with the king of Kippen. As soon as Buchanan heard these words, he knew that the king was come in person, and hastened down to kneel at James's feet, and to ask his forgiveness for his insolent behaviour. But the king, who only meant to give him a fright, forgave him freely, and going into the castle, feasted on his own venison, which Buchanan had intercepted. Buchanan of Arnprior was ever afterwards called the king of Kippen. Upon another occasion, King James, being alone and in disguise, fell into a quarrel with some gypsies, or other vagrants, and was assaulted by four or five of them. This chanced to be very near the bridge of Cramont, so the king got on the bridge, which, as it was high and narrow, enabled him to defend himself with his sword against the number of persons by whom he was attacked. There was a poor man thrashing corn in a barn nearby who came out on hearing the noise of the scuffle, and seeing one man defending himself against numbers, gallantly took the king's part with his flail to such a good purpose that the gypsies were obliged to fly. The husbandman then took the king into the barn, brought him a towel and water to wash the blood from his hands and face, and finally walked with him a little way towards Edinburgh, in case he should be again attacked. 
on the way the king asked his companion what and who he was the labourer answered that his name was john howison and that he was a bondsman on the farm of brehet near cramont which belonged to the king of scotland james then asked the poor man if there was any wish in the world which he would particularly desire should be gratified and honest john confessed he should think himself the happiest man in scotland were he but the proprietor of the farm on which he wrought as a labourer he then asked the king in turn who he was and james replied as usual that he was the good man of ballengeich a poor man who had a small appointment about the palace but he added that if john howison would come to see him on the next sunday he would endeavour to repay his manful assistance and at least give him the pleasure of seeing the royal apartments john put in his best clothes as you may suppose and appearing at a postern gate of the palace inquired for the good man of ballengeich the king had given orders that he should be admitted and john found his friend the goodman in the same disguise which he had formerly worn the king still preserving the character of an inferior officer of the household conducted john howison from one apartment of the palace to another and was amused with his wonder and his remarks at length james asked his visitor if he should like to see the king to which john replied nothing would delight him so much if he could do so without giving offence the good men of ballengeich of course undertook that the king would not be angry but said john how am i to know his grace from the nobles who will be all about him easily replied his companion all the others will be uncovered the king alone will wear his hat or bonnet so speaking king james introduced the countryman into a great hall which was filled by the nobility and officers of the crown john was a little frightened and drew close to his attendants but was still unable to distinguish the king i told you that you should know him by his wearing his hat said the conductor then said john after he had again looked around the room it must be either you or me for all but us two are bareheaded the king laughed at john's fancy and that the good yeoman might have occasion for mirth also he made him a present of the farm of brehet which he had wished so much to possess on condition that john howison or his successor should be ready to present an ewer and basin for the king to wash his hands when his majesty should come to holyrood palace or should pass the bridge of cramond accordingly in the year eighteen twenty two when george the fourth came to scotland the descendant of john howison of brehet who still possessed the estate which was given to his ancestor appeared at a solemn festival and offered his majesty water from a silver ewer that he might perform the service by which he held his lands james v was very fond of hunting and when he pursued that amusement in the highlands he used to wear the peculiar dress of that country having a long and wide highland shirt and a jacket of tartan velvet with plaid hose and everything else corresponding the accounts for these are in the books of his chamberlain still preserved on one occasion when the king had an ambassador of the pope along with him with various foreigners of distinction they were splendidly entertained by the earl of athol in the huge and singular rustic palace it was built of timber in the midst of a great meadow and surrounded by moats or fosses full of the most delicate fish it was enclosed and defended by towers as if it had been a regular castle and had within it many apartments which were decked with flowers and branches so that in treading them one seemed to be in a garden here were all kinds of game and other provisions in abundance with many cooks to make them ready and plenty of the most costly spices and wines 
the Italian ambassador was greatly surprised to see, among rocks and wilderness which seemed to be the very extremity of the world, such good lodgings and so magnificent an entertainment. But what surprised him most of all was to see the Highlanders set fire to the wooden castle as soon as the hunting was over, and the king in the act of departing. Such is the constant practice of our Highlanders, said James to the ambassador. However well they may be lodged overnight, they always burn their lodgings before they leave it. By this the king intimated the predatory and lawless habits displayed by these mountaineers. The reign of James V was not alone distinguished by his personal adventures and pastimes, but is honorably remembered on account of wise laws made for the government of his people and for restraining the crimes and violence which were frequently practised among them, especially those of assassination, burning of houses, and driving of cattle, the usual means and ready by which powerful chiefs avenged themselves of their feudal enemies. End of section 66. This recording is in the public domain.